Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we take a look at Thursday's game between the Blue Bombers and Lions with the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor, and also check in with Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba because the Winnipeg Challenger event is less than two weeks away and they just announced the player list for the tournament in West St. Paul. That's all coming up on the podcast. As we turn to the CFL... And the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor, joins us every week to chat CFL. And Derek, coming off a of bye week, how are you feeling? Are you feeling well-rested, or were you just busy watching film the whole time like you would have any other week? Well, watching film, and then uh, we we bought another house. So uh, we're moving, so right. you're like, oh my gosh, i got to unload all these boxes and put them in the right place. And and I, I spent a good portion of time yesterday uh, putting aluminum foil tape on a furnace to make sure there were no air gaps. So... Yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that aren't sleeping going on in my life currently. Okay, so you're how much sleep do you normally get? You seem like a guy that's up a lot. Well, here's an interesting thing. Uh, I was filling in for Cam Poitras uh, in the off season, uh, and Cam, of course, does the morning sports run and, and Jets at noon. So that required being in the office at four o'clock. That absolutely ruined me from from sleeping in. Now, like I can't sleep ever past again. 50. You're done. I. I hope not, because I used to love nothing more than sleeping till noon or one. But now it's eight fifteen, and I'm up. And, I, and no matter when I went to bed, eight fifteen. If I get to nine o'clock, I've I've made a miracle happen. So uh, my sleep patterns have been ruined this last. Well, what were my sleep patterns have been ruined this last year? I, it doesn't matter what happens when I go to bed. It's like, oh, it's eight thirty. I guess I'm up now. Like I went to bed at two last night, and I was up at nine after falling yeah. asleep like three more times through the storm. Yeah, and when I was at my peak, I'd go to bed at six, seven, eight in the morning, and wake up at you know two in the afternoon. You know your peak. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You get off, okay. get off work and get home at like three thirty a.m. Have a bite to eat, grind out some CFL, and and then go to bed about you know feed the dogs breakfast, and then go to bed about eight eight thirty. Ah, oh, those were the days. Oh, I love those days. <laughs> well, life's a bit different now, and uh, <laughs> you've got a new house, and the Bombers are looking for revenge against the BC Lions. Uh, let's just start with Kyrie Wilson and Winston Rose, who are, have been back practicing for a couple of weeks now. They're with the first team. Are they playing this week? Uh, again, nobody will say anything as every week. Well, we'll see when the roster comes out, but they're, they'll play. I mean, Kyrie Wilson will start it at the one linebacker spot, and Winston Rose in days one and two was the first guy up at the field cornerback spot. So if you see that for two days at bomber practice, they're not going to just put that out there in hopes of faking somebody out. That's guys getting reps because they're going to take them and they're going to start. So yeah, I, I a hundred percent expect those two guys to be back in the lineup on Thursday. And how much of an upgrade is that? Or That's is a it a great question? Uh, I think the Kyrie Wilson one is substantially. I think, I think Kyrie generally is perceived as one of the best weak side linebackers in the league. Like, you know, made that made guys top fifty ballots this off season that that good. So that's that's a big deal. There's you know no shame on Malik Clements or anything like that. But Kyrie Wilson is really really good. I mean, o- Coach O'Shea on the coaches show on Monday once again dropped the thing about how he just erases screen passes. You know, oh, okay. Well, I can't wait to see this. You know, at, at full speed for the next dozen games. The Winston Rose one. I don't think Abu Dharami Soiree was was bad by any definition. Uh, I, I think Winston gives them more uh, assuredness, right? He's a veteran. He's been with the team in a couple of stints for for quite some time. I feel like they know what they're going to get with Winston Rose. Rose, 
it was interesting as we approach this season, coaches kind of admit, you know, and they don't often admit it, but they kind of admit Rose had some struggles last season. By my charting, no defensive back had allowed more yards in coverage than Winston Rose. So coaches kind of said, yeah, it wasn't his best season, and uh, we think he's primed to bounce back. Uh, I mean, Rose the veteran, but only 29. He's still got a lot of football left in him. I'm, I, I hope for him it goes a little better than his first couple of games last season when Jalen Acklin was really doing things for those Red Blacks. And the quarterback he will be trying to slow down and everyone trying to slow down is Dane Evans on Thursday. It is not Vernon Adams Jr. The team BC confirming yesterday that it's going to be Evans, who was named the CFL Offensive Player of the Week today in the honor roll as graded by PFF. I said in my sports cast, Eric, it's not like the competition for Offensive Player of the Week was hot this past <laughs> week with just six offensive touchdowns scored, but he did look good against an Elks team that is very bad. I know you're yeah. on record as saying you're not a big Dane Evans guy. Uh, we saw him light up the Bombers last year and the, the highlight of Hamilton's season, but what do we think watching him the last couple of weeks and how different is this compared to what Vernon Adams brought in week three? Well, he went into that game two weeks ago. What was it? Sask and the first drive beep, boop, 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 and just matriculated the ball down the field for the touchdown, as we said. And I thought, wow, Jordan McSimmick, their offensive coordinator, is a genius. It then turned around that, hey, the offense didn't do much after that. So, you know, but now Dane with a week to practice looked pretty good against just a real troubled Elks team. So I, I think, I think it'd be silly to, to, expect something different than what we've seen from Evans kind of his whole career, right? He's been really good in spots. He was unbelievable in that game. You mentioned last season against the bombers, five touchdowns and no picks. And just generally they ran over the bombers in that one. But I think of the 2019 gray cup and well, the 2021 gray cup where he got, he got hurt and got taken out of the game and, it wasn't going real hot for him before that. And I I see a guy who struggles under pressure. So how is BC going to keep that pressure off of Dane? And I, I made this joke uh, talking to a buddy. I said, I, I want to find something in my life I love as much as Dane Evans loves patting the football in the pocket. And he said to me, well, what about Slurpees? You love Slurpees. I'm like, okay, I love Slurpees as much as Dane Evans loves standing there and pat, pat, and then throw the ball. And you just, as a football fan, you go, just whip it. Just throw the ball. Don't wait an extra beat because you're going to get a guy killed or it's going to get picked off. He's, I, whenever it's a Dane Evans game, I just kind of in my brain go, okay, when will he throw his first interception? And then that'll kind of tell me how the game will go. So that's, that's one thing from Dane I'll be watching on Thursday. And fumbles. Last year he had a ton of fumbles mm. too. And I'm curious to see what the bomber pass rush does on Thursday, because in that game against BC in June, Vernon Adams had a pretty easy day and wasn't really pressured all that much. What he he was able to use his feet a little bit, but the 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 line play on both sides was BC all the way, and it wasn't close. But in that game, Jackson Jeffco didn't play, and we've seen exactly. the last couple of years, and especially this year too, when he's in the lineup. Not only is Jackson Jeffco a threat, but Willie Jefferson's just a different player with Jackson yeah. Jeffco in the lineup. So I think this is going to be a little bit harder for the BC Lions offense this week. And I'm I'm not the biggest fan of their their offensive line uh, on the whole. Their offense has been going great guns in every game, save for the Toronto one. But I'm not a big fan of Kent Perkins at right tackle, Jarrell Broxton left tackle, fine. Uh, uh, who is it? Andrew Pearson at guard, okay. I'm gonna need to see it. 
Michael Couture at center, fine. Sook Chung, to me, struggles in pass protection. He he probably does great things in the run game, but can be gotten in pass protection. It's it's got its vulnerabilities. So yeah, and and if you can get to Dane, I think I think it cracks. It's Vernon Adams doesn't scramble like he used to a couple of years ago. Uh, and Dane d- doesn't do it as much as Vernon does. So uh, I think pressure is going to, w- will crack him. And man, with, with Jeff Coat and Jefferson, these last few games have been fantastic to watch. Because the, the bomber pass rush is just such a big deal when it's going. And it, it makes life so difficult for the other teams. Because if there are issues in the secondary, which there have been, you can really aid the ailing secondary if your pass rush can get to the other quarterback. And we've seen over the last couple of years against pressure, Dane Evans has not been an awesome quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And I was talking to Jackson Jeffcoat today, and we were just kind of shooting the breeze. And uh, I, I just, I always enjoy throwing out the stat that I went to look up one day. Quarterbacks under pressure in the Canadian Football League are 80% more likely to throw an interception. And it's for, exactly the reason you think it is oh my gosh i got to get rid of this think of Kalaris's interception in the last game he, he's about to get plowed and all oh, the ball can't come out correctly because he's going down to the ground so when jeff coat and jefferson uh getting after it okay well that's going to be opportunities for demario houston and evan home and then jefferson's got that thing right where even if i eh, oh you got me stoned at the line of scrimmage i'm just going to back up and you're not going to be able to get this pass over me if you're trying to go into the flats here or a little hook here because I'm just going to swat that down like nobody else in the CFL can do. So yeah, they the two of them together, and then I mean Ricky Walker and Jake Thomas get their get their fair share as well. Kyrie Wilson back. I'm I'm curious to see Kyrie Wilson back. What that allows Richie Hall to do with Adam Big Hill because Big Hill will drop into coverage. Big Hill's a really effective blitzer, right? At picking his hole ducking between a couple guys and, and hammering quarterbacks. I'm curious to see the ripple effects of, of you know, having your number one weak side linebacker back and, and what they might be able to do with Adam Big Hill to throw Dane, you know, some curveballs. And another player who was not in the lineup that night in June was Kenny Lawler. And he's now yep. back. He's played one game against Edmonton a couple weeks ago. Not enough sample size to say how much of a difference maker he's going to be. We saw him make a, some great catches, one catch that really he didn't actually catch, but it was called a catch, so it's a catch. He made a great catch. What do we think about how the offense changes with Lawler out there compared to what they were not able to do against this Lions defense back in week three? I I just get the impression it's it's just you can stretch a little more with Kenny. He's not specifically deep ball, but he can certainly go get it. He can also do some stuff underneath, but you can run him and like he, he Dembski and Schoen. You could run Kenny to the short side, Dembski and Schoen as number three and two to the field side, and run some vertical routes. Okay, safety. Good luck picking the right one. And then oh by the way, if you don't do it right, Rashid Bailey's going to run underneath, and we're going to have a good time. They can really play with it's a veteran secondary that that bc lions team has right tj lee and gary peters and marcus sales and then the rest of the guys get a little younger but they've been together for more than a year right so you can really test them and those guys as good as they are when you have three receivers as good and in Dembski's case as versatile as as they are you can really you could take on the best defensive backfields in the CFL and expect to win. So I, I'm I'm excited for what uh, what Buck can do with that. 
dot 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 if Zach has time and isn't on his back seven times like we'd never seen before. All right, quick thought on the other games before I let you go. Obviously, there's three good teams in the CFL right now. Two of them are playing <laughs> on Thursday. Toronto visiting Calgary on Friday. Two and five Stampeders. How worried are you about Calgary right now? Uh, absolutely. They're, and the injuries piling up as well, like receiving core and and uh, defensive line. They lost their best receiver and probably their best defensive lineman. That's, well, okay, second best. I would probably say Mike Rose is better than James Vodders, but Vodders was fantastic. And even in that game against Winnipeg, I'm really worried about Calgary. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think I believe Jake Mayer has the strength to single-handedly pull a team out of the doldrums. So I'm really worried about Calgary. I, they have to, what, two and five, they have to go seven and four the rest of the way to be 500. They have to go eight and three to get 10 wins like they've had in 18 game seasons for what seems like ever. Yeah, it's it's good. It's going to be a cold year for the Stampeders, unfortunately, for Calgary fans. Just did the math. Uh, 17 and three, the combined record of the Lions, Bombers and Argos. The rest of the league is 14 and 28. So that's that's what we're looking at here. And uh, so am, am I coming to your house for Red Blacks Rough Riders Sunday night? Is that what's happening? <laughs> well, oh, I mean, you got oh. important games, right? I mean, those are these are all teams. These teams are going to be in the playoffs. A lot of these teams will be in the postseason, not necessarily threats to make the great cup. But Montreal Hamilton on Saturday, that's three and three at three and four. Obviously a big game there too. And, and you know, Bo Levi Mitchell has not been good this season when he's played, but he's not playing for a while again. So do we write off Hamilton or is Taylor Powell going to be okay? Uh, I, I just lean more to writing off Hamilton because, I mean, there's only so many quarterbacks that could come in as a rookie and, you know, or a first time starter and, and really make hay. Uh, is, I mean, is the shine off Dustin Crum? Does he get two starts? And then the, the third one wasn't great. What's his future? Um, man, think of how Mayer looked in his first couple appearances versus what we have now. It's, it, it would be really hard for Hamilton, I think, to, to run with Montreal. Montreal's not a terrible football team, and there are, are some terrible football teams going in the CFL right now. Uh, I don't know if Saskatchewan's terrible, nor is Ottawa. They're both, you know, okay at best. But, you know, Saskatchewan now hosting Ottawa on Sunday, two teams that are three and four. Dustin Crum, it's kind of like Tim Tebow. It's like, these games are bad, and at the end, they yeah. almost win. Uh, but Saskatchewan without Trevor Stokely. Harris, they yeah. seem they seem doomed. Uh, yeah, I, I've never been. I, I saw Mason Fine since he he came to Sask, and I just I don't know what they can do. I I don't I don't think Mason Fine. I, I just don't I don't see it. I don't see it, and I don't know if Jake Dolagal is a better answer. Uh, Shea Patterson is their is their running quarterback. I you can't you probably can't go that. That's probably why they made him the running quarterback. I don't know what they do. Losing Trevor Harris is, it's not the equivalent of the Bombers losing Zach Kalaris, but if you're a Ryder fan, you have to feel like it's that same level of impact of, well, what do you want us to do? We can't win every game 12-11 for the rest of the season, right? So it's it's going to be rough. And man, it's every, every time we talk, man, I just realize we're in a bad spot with quarterbacks, unfortunately, yep. this year. Four of them, four of them are injured and... I'm not sure there were four great quarterbacks in the CFL for 2023. Yeah, it doesn't look great, does it? <laughs> but uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have one of the good ones, so mm. there at least there's that. Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. We'll see you at the game on Thursday. Sounds good, brother. But let's talk tennis now as the Winnipeg challenger 
event, which starts in less than two weeks, has unveiled its player list. And to take us through it and to tee us up for the event is our friend from Tennis Manitoba, the executive director, Mark Arndt. Mark, how excited are you that uh, we're, we're now in August? We're less than two weeks away. Super excited. Thanks for having me. First of all, I appreciate it as always. But um, yeah, you know what? This field that uh, when the player acceptance list was re- released, I'm always anxious, nervous to see what what comes each year. And this year, I'm, I'm quite happy uh, to see the numbers, the players that we've got. And then, uh, yeah, it's a pretty solid, uh, a pretty solid list. I've had some, uh, some good emails and phone calls and it's just unbelievable to have these uh, this type of caliber of, uh, of player uh, here in Winnipeg. And you're not just the uh, executive director of Tennis Manitoba. You're also the tournament director for this event. Uh, top-ranked player coming is Jack Draper. He's a young Brit who was in the top 40 at one point this year, ranked 78th currently. And, yeah. uh, and this is a player that has shown promise, but he's been hurt this year, right? He was, and you know, and that's what it was. He had a great uh, run last year at the U.S. Open. He had a great 2022 season, and uh, honestly, he's the uh, the next uh, British player that's going to be taken uh, over after Andy Murray. Uh, he is the one with the promise and uh, a good head on his shoulder. Plus, he's a lefty, which is a massive advantage, and and his serve is uh, it's uh, it's a massive serve. So I see him being quite honestly, I'll be surprised if he's not top ten within a year, year and a half. So he would be the favorite to win this so long as he's healthy, right? Or is it? it well, I mean, because he hasn't played really since the French Open. Yeah. He hasn't. Uh, he had an abdominal injury, so he's coming back from that, and that's why uh, he is here. Otherwise, he'd be playing on the main on the main tour. But uh, I would say yes, normally. But we have uh, David Goffin from Belgium, who is previous world number seven. He's coming. He's also coming off of an injury and using this as a warm up for the U.S. Open. So. Uh, really excited. So I'm I'm hoping if the draw falls uh, the way it should fall, um, I'm hoping that that might be our dream final. Now for those, uh, yeah, but 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 I've got to say with an asterisk because I'd love to have one of our Canadians of uh, back in the final. So that yeah. that's always just a given, and that's uh, yeah. I'm I'm a homer, so I do want one of our our Canadian boys there winning it. So well, we've never had a Canadian win it. Um, last year you had one in the final, and I yeah. believe in uh, twenty. 19 you also had one in the final and uh you had Braden Schnur in 2019 you had Alexi Gallarneau last year in the final they both fell in those finals but to to have a Canadian make it that far I'm sure it was great for your tournament to, to and obviously the crowd would have liked that mm-hmm. honestly it was so so good for our uh for for the tournament the crowds are great we also had Vasek Pospisil last year here and Unfortunately, he lost in the first round, but I mean the the impact of having a player of that magnitude here just helped us uh, help really get that tournament on the map. And I mean, we've been at it now for this is going to be our tenth year, and uh, to have Canadians well represented, ones that like Gallarino, who uh, who just won a, an equal tournament in Granby, Quebec, uh, a couple weeks ago. So he's 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 on a roll right now, and he's looking to keep it going here in Winnipeg and and take it over the finish line this year. So he's super pumped to be coming back. We've been talking to him, and um, so he's really excited. We're playing at a new place as well. So uh, lots of good things to look forward to here. Yeah, we'll get to the venue in just a moment. Yeah. But I, I'm just curious about how, how the structure of, of how players are chosen uh, to be in this event work because you sent me the uh, official player acceptance list, 21 people listed on the main draw, most of them ranked in the hundreds. Uh, how many people in total are, t- are actually going to be playing in this tournament beyond this 21 that are here? 
Sure. So, so before the tournament, there's the qualifying tournament. So there's 24 players that play in the qualifying tournament on the first day and a half. So they have to play two matches. And uh, if they win two matches, uh, six of those qualifiers make it into the main draw. So, uh, so you get those 24, then the six uh, graduate to the main draw. Main draw has a, a total of 32 players uh, that play, including those six. So, um, yeah, it is, uh, it's a grind. That week is a tough week. And, you know, Winnipeg weather, as you know, if, uh, if August is hot, it's, uh, it's, it's tough and it's, uh, it's a grueling week. And, uh, but it's just fun to watch this play out uh, just in our own backyard here. And what are the the ty- you know the types of players that choose to come to this event? Obviously, people are are ranked in the hundreds in the world, but yep. you know there are names like Drake Burr on there, David Goffin, Liam Brody's been here before, I believe. Uh, yep. There's some other yep. names on here I recognize. There are many that I don't. I'll be honest, mm-hmm. but uh, is this just like this is the level for players in the hundreds? This is what they're playing in, and if they do well in these, they can move up to the next level. Absolutely, and that's what it is. It's uh, when you get uh, so I'll compare it to the NHL. NHL has arguably what six hundred fifty, seven hundred players, and these players that are playing here uh, are top one hundred and fifty. So we basically have second liners uh, in the NHL that are playing at our tournament, and uh, it's phenomenal. As you know, I mean, professional sport. It's uh, I mean, the skill level and the fitness levels are all there. It's, it's basically it's such a mental game, and to see it unfold here. Um, and that's exactly what it is. Like a prime example, uh, we referenced David Goffin, who is number seven in the world. He he beat players like Federer, Nadal, and, and Djokovic uh, in his uh, before his injury. So he's coming off of an injury. So he uh, his ranking has dipped because he hasn't played. So yeah, he should be in the top twenty and not playing at this type of level of a tournament, but because he carried that injury ranking drops. So he's now eligible to play here. So they use these tournaments. Players use these tournaments as warmups for the bigger tournaments as well. If they need to get some confidence going. I mean, back in the day, you recall Agassi, he, uh, he was up his career as an up and down roller coaster, but he was known when his confidence went down, he said, you know what, I'm going to go play a level lower than where, where we see them on TV all the time. We'll play a level lower, which is this Winnipeg challenger. They uh, he came and he played many challenger tournaments to get his level going again. Again, a lot of these players that are playing at our tournament, they also play first, second, third round at Wimbledon, U.S. Open, whatever it may be. So that's it's such a fluid system in tennis where they jump back and forth between. It's called the the ATP World Tour, which is the top players, top seventy five to 100, and then you've got the Challenger Tour, which is again that overlaps seventy five to about. 300 in the world will play uh will play in our tournament so on this list you've also got 99 alternates uh i just yeah. noticed this has 21 direct acceptances yeah. three wild cards six qualifiers two special exempts so i guess the wild cards and the exempts are still up in the air yeah so the wild cards tennis canada controls because this is after all a tennis canada event so right. they help us put it on so they have these tournaments in Canada. We host these tournaments. We deliver these tournaments for the up-and-coming Canadian players so they can cut their teeth at events such as this. So locally, it's cheaper than traveling around the world and playing in tournaments everywhere else. So let's have a series here in Canada, nine, ten tournaments where our players can gain valuable experience and uh, get direct entry into the main draw where they don't have to try to qualify, which is so hard to do. So those three wild cards are reserved for our Canadian players. Uh, sometimes we use wild cards if somebody, say, from the French Tennis Federation 
phones and says, listen, we're requesting a wild card in exchange. If you give us one, we'll give you one at one of our challenges. So sometimes depending on who the player is, if it's a draw for admissions, we may, we may say, yes, you know what, that makes sense. Uh, let's do that. And then we'll give our, one of our Canadians a, a wild card in exchange. So that happens there. The special exempts are, uh, it's a new thing. So there's obviously uh, the college system where there's a lot of great players playing in the college system during the school year. They can't play on the tour. They can't gain points and and uh, and money. I, they can't accept money anyways because they're in school, but they can't gain those valuable ranking points because they are in school. So uh, there's a new system now in place where uh, top college players get special exempts into tournaments such as this. So there's always there's always two special exempts for uh, college players uh, for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing. If you look at number 29 on that list, Fernando Verdasco, I'm sure you know that name from from years past. Oh yeah, cool they have him on that list, eh? <laughs> yeah, and Ber- Bernard Tomic is on that list as well. Right. There's a, some other yeah, names, yeah. Luca Puiz on there too. Some other. Yeah. Uh, names that uh, have had moments for sure. Verdasco uh, years ago was a a guy going deep into majors. But uh, yeah. uh, looking now at uh, the location of it, you're, you're, you've got this new tennis hub in West St. Paul, the grand openings during the tournament. But obviously, you're, people are going to see it before the grand opening because the tournament starts yeah. before that. Uh, is it so? It's all ready to go. And uh, how many courts are at this hub? Yeah, so I'm here right now, actually, uh, in the parking lot and doing this interview. And uh, they uh, basically, we have five courts right now with a sixth one to come uh, next year, a sixth practice court. And a uh, brand-new facility, just, uh, yeah, final touches. We've got about 13 days or so, 12 days to get it ready. The players start rolling in, uh, I'm going to say, on, on the Friday or so. Matches start on Sunday. So even you know, last year, we had a couple of players that were in on the Wednesday. So 10 days from now, there will be players here practicing, getting uh, acclimated and uh, uh, getting ready to, to do battle. But it's, it's super exciting because we, we finally um, are, are able to, to deliver this world-class uh, event at a, at a venue that, that's, that's equally um, has the amenities that can handle the, uh, the demand and handle that standard that the ATP Tour is asking for. And, uh, and we are fortunate that we, we partnered with the municipality of West St. Paul and and great partner of ours. And I'm uh, uh, super excited to get this thing going, to get it opened. And uh, the sweat equity, that's, the blood, sweat and tears that have been put into this place. And, and hopefully people can come out and enjoy some great tennis, use the courts as well after the tournament. It's a, it's a public access facility. And uh, it's it, it, it's great. It just serves uh, it serves its purpose on so many levels. From from kids developing kids, developing our provincial team. We actually have our, our uh, tennis Manitoba Masters provincial team program. They're training right now here, and uh, it's just so exciting to have that. Um, we'll have an ITF senior tournament coming in next year. Uh, get junior nationals. So it just opens up so many uh, possibilities to host really grand events and to help the development of tennis uh, in the area in Manitoba in Winnipeg makes me want to pick up a racket and play again because it's been a while since I've hit the ball I'm holding you we still you owe me a a hit uh, I know you say so we'll do it here I mean I I, will definitely have to do that and I'm holding you to it no I want to do it last year I was going I was away for the the weekend of the final this year I'm away too on vacation one of these years it's going to work out Mark (laughs) and I promise you we'll we'll get that done before I let you go the uh the National Bank Open is uh is starting this weekend in Montreal and Toronto Dennis Shapovalov pulling out with a knee injury today on the men's side but 
Uh, How excited are you to check out this event as we get more, I think more players than usual at the top end saying yes, though, you know, Djokovic is out, Nanjabur is out, but still so many top players at this event. Oh, it's incredible. And you know what? It's just, it's so nice to see, uh, uh, all these these world class players coming to uh, to Canada to participate, and it just uh, it just helps uh, again on so many levels, and helps the, with the exposure of tennis and, and growing with the sport in our country and our our region here. But I yeah, I'm looking forward to this event because I I mean, working for Tennis Manitoba, I get to know the Tennis Canada, the the, the staff, the management, upper management. I just know how hard they work to to deliver that event and. Uh, to finally see it play out on TV and sometimes in person when I'm fortunate enough to go, it's great. And I mean, it just it, it all connects. It connects to our tournament, which is a week uh, a week after that one, and uh, it's just uh, it all ties in very nicely and 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 just completes the whole the whole pathway that that Tennis Canada has strategically planned and and being a part of that we're part of the big picture and when you see players playing in winnipeg and then seeing them play at the at the national bank open and then at the u.s open it's it's a nice feeling and you know hopefully it gives our kids motivation and to to to, to get on that pathway and, and try to be the best they can be and what seems to be the last hurrah for milos Raonic too <laughs> yes you know what unfortunately yes he seems pretty set on on uh, retiring and i know he seems like he's uh, he, he thinks everything through as you know you've watched him so many years the way he played he's so methodical and and i know he's 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 thought this through and i think this is it there won't be no one retirement or anything like that so yeah if people want to see his booming serve in live in person which is phenomenal i've seen it it's just unreal how mm-hmm. how he hits that ball but i mean yeah you gotta watch him now you have a uh, limited time to see around it's quite Well, Mark, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, best of luck as you get set for your big tournament. Yes, August 13th to 19th at the uh, in West St. Paul National Bank Tennis Hub. All right, that is Mark Arndt, Tennis Manitoba Executive Director, Tournament Director for the Winnipeg Challenger event. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that they should come to this. We try to warn you all.